What does it take to make workshops work? And how can we facilitate collaboration that sticks and leads to results? My name is Miriam Hackness, and with the Workshops Work podcast, I'm on the mission to find magic ingredients that make workshops work. Today with me on the show is S. Bridgman, and we speak about play and about conflict and how to use both in our facilitation practice and private lives. So stay tuned. And by the way, if you don't have pen and paper at hand to take your own notes, scroll down to find the link to download my free one-page summary. And now, enjoy. And still, I like the idea of practicing conflict, um, mm. especially early in the relationship, or because then it, it still has, and it can even be a professional relationship. You were speaking about a romantic one, but I think in the early days, we are more forgiving because we have less expectations. I think the better we know someone, the more expectations we have because they are supposed to know us and they are supposed to know and they are supposed to whatever. So to have a game of practicing conflict and also to communicate how we, what our relationship to conflict is, because I think it mostly depends on how we grew up with it and how our families deal with conflict. If someone is very articulate, And is used to, so for instance, in my family, we fight very loudly, very passionately, but then it's also forgotten very quickly. So we love each other very loudly and passionately, and we hate each other very loudly and passionately. <laughs> and I think for someone who comes from a family where they don't speak about conflict or where nobody ever shouts at each other, be quite intimidated or even threatened if... I would then raise my voice, which doesn't happen so often anymore, luckily, mm. outside of my core family. <laughs> <laughs> we can we can have a conflict in this call if you want. We can definitely we can bring that. Yeah, yeah. I, I like the thing of what you were saying before with the rules, and that's magical about facilitation. Is you can say, "Hey, let's have." I'd like to have a bit of a conflict here. Are you comfortable with? Like, I'm feeling I'm feeling some big emotions. Are you comfortable with me raising my voice? Are you comfortable? Like, what's the parameters here? Because some people love yelling, like loving loudly, fighting loudly, and it's over. But for other people, when someone raises their voice, it can just, the whole body can just shut down. And then, and then that goes in the whole world of sort of trauma responses and how we've been trained, like you said, in our family to interact and how we run away. We run away or we freeze or we fawn or fight or whatever when we're feeling threatened. So I, I, I'd like to think that we can create these sort of magical realms where we're like, let's have this conversation, let's frame it a little bit. And I think that would be a, a healthy form of facilitation in relationships, which is why people in relationship facilitators make great people, in my opinion, because it takes sort of macro level thinking, a second level thinking of what the relationship is, what's happening to propose that kind of activity or propose that kind of entryway into conflict. Yeah. And I think just the ability to look at dynamics in the conversation in a group from a meta perspective, then I think the high art is just to remember our superpowers when we are in these situations. It's like, I have a problem with left and right. So I do know that I'm writing with my right hand, but if you ask me where's left and where's right, I forget about that. Yeah. Literally no clue where's <laughs> right when I'm under stress. So, and I have the impression that As a facilitator, it can be similar so that when a conflict really arises, that we forget about these superpowers and the rules and the way of dealing with such situations. What would be your advice to remember when it's important to remember? 
oh, so you're, you have a superpower. Suddenly, um, the, the shit has hit the fan, as we say. Things are going very badly and just not shutting down how to remember that you're, oh my goodness. So I think the place where my mind goes with that question is very much that place of like whole, showing up for ourselves first. That first thing. Um, I, I think of an example. I was in a fight with someone. Or it, was a, it was a difficult emotional moment with someone. And I looked up. And so I was having my whole emotional reaction. And I looked up and the other person was texting, texting on the phone. And I was like, oh, right. This is a moment for me. I was like, thank you for reminding me. This is actually a moment where I don't need to get my support from you. I'm going to actually provide to myself. So I think my first step would be if you're disconnecting from your gifts is like to like tune back in and give yourself the support, the listening, the care that you need, which is, I mean, it's the whole self-soothing. It's the meditation. It's the, it's all those practices where we show up deeply for ourselves. And my belief is that when we are feeling heard and cared for, which we can provide to ourselves, suddenly the superpower is like, you know, the ice blast, the fire, like, oh, right. I can do it. And in that story that I told you about, you know, my, I mean, this the first story with that, that failed exercise or with my family, the family conflict thing, it's I'm working actively to just auto self-regulate. I'm not just like, oh, this is so easy. In, in the family, in the family conflict conversation, we did an exercise where my, my brother gave me direct feedback in front of the whole family to practice as well, having these hot conversations. And his feedback was around me not showing up and not being available and not feeling like I was there as a brother. And my role is to listen and support him in that moment. So of course I'm regulating. That's not easy feedback to receive. And someone's like, I feel like you're not showing up in the way that I want you to. That's not easy to receive. But I think that if we are able to listen and care for ourselves and be our own champion, then mm -hmm. we are reconnect with our superpower in that moment. Yes. And thank you so much for sharing this so openly. Mm -hmm. really appreciate that i want to acknowledge it and um, because there's so much i think we can all relate to these situations and how much it hurts and how difficult it is to just suck it up <laughs> and what came to my mind was the image of the snail again with their house so we can have this empathy and show up as our best selves if we feel safe so then if we don't feel safe in the environment or with the person, then how can we create the sense of safety for ourselves so that we can become these empathetic humans that we would like to be and that are needed in this moment in order to calm down the conflict? Oh, yeah. So well synthesized. Exactly. If we're not feeling safe, there's no way we can create that safety. And my belief is, you know, you know, with the conflicts that are happening in the world right now, there are these huge macro conflicts. But when from the angle of facilitation, those all they go down to conversations between each other and conversations we have with ourselves, which is why I think that facilitation has this healing power for the world, because it would be hard to say, well, okay, I'm going to heal international relationships between different countries that's hard but what we can heal is how we're treating ourselves how we're showing up in a hard moment with someone we care about and that does have a ripple effect when you think about everyone doing that yeah especially acknowledging that it is a hard situation that everyone deals in a different way with mm. i always or my my slogan is we can change the world one workshop at a time mm -hmm. And then seeing a war kind of happening, which seems so useless. 
And then I wonder, how could this have happened? And what has failed? How many conversations before have failed? And who has actually failed to listen to whom? And yeah, mm. so this makes me very sad because I, I shared the hope that with facilitation skills, yeah, we would, with more facilitation skills, with leaders with better facilitation skills, we would live in a better world. And to bring it back maybe to our topic, so we talked about a conflictual situation within a group and how play, improv can help to solve that or to get to a better place. How would you use, or is it even appropriate to use play and the concept of play if the group as such is not in conflict, but there is this difficult situation in the macro environment? Right. So it's like there's a, let's say, a context of war, but it could also be a context where a lot of a group has been really hurt. And so how would you be showing up in that moment? Yeah. Can even be like, the pandemic and a lockdown. I mean, we've yeah. all experienced that for two years. No, so ahead. one of the things I like about play, and I think this ties into what you're saying about the current war, Ukraine, is that it encompasses, it's not just happy. It's not just, let's be happy. For me, it is, it's everything. So it's both hopeless, like hopefulness and despair. It's both laughing and crying. It's both like the expansive everything that is curling into a ball. For me, it's that notion of being alive fully. And when you look at children playing, I think people often focus on the, the side of them like laughing, but children actually fight. They cry, they hurt each other, and it's part of it. So I think when I, when I think about a workshop that involves play in a really difficult situation like that, I think that It's bringing it in to experience the fullness of your being. And you can go into the idea, ideation of the activities, what that looks like. But it could be something like writing a letter from your anger or from your sadness. Or it could be role playing. If you were the, the world leaders involved, what would you be saying? It can, it can be, there's so many ways of honoring the emotion and the depth that's there while still playing. It's for me, like I say, it's easier to be like, oh, well, playing is just going to be fun. Well, it's, it's going to be fun because you're in the fullness of your being. And I like having both the hopelessness and the hopefulness being part of it, because I think it is, it's the non-duality, right, of this world. We can be both incredibly happy and incredibly sad at the same time. And that's a hard, that's hard to reconcile and to learn. But I think that we, again, through these spaces, we can be like, It coexists. It's all together. And I'm not sure what better way to do that than through the imagination and through play. A simple deck of cards can be a brilliant way to engage a group. You can use them to stimulate thought, inject energy or spark lively conversations. But how can you use cards when you're facilitating virtually? Deckhive.com is a brand new platform that enables you to use cards on screen just as you would face to face. Invite people to a shared real-time session and then let them select, move and flip cards over. Our growing library includes many popular card decks, including picture cards, strengths cards, emotion cards and more. But if we don't have what you need, you can even create your own deck really easily. Use the code WORKSHOPSWORK when you subscribe to a paid monthly plan and you'll get the first month completely free. Go to deckhive.com and give it a try. Can you give an example for an exercise for that? Um curious oh my goodness yeah i do <laughs> for when you say for that i said a few different things for that in terms of like in terms of an exercise would it give space for for sadness for instance oh my goodness for sadness and happiness so this kind of oh yeah totally well a really simple one would be 
a really simple one because kind of inspired by psychodrama would be having a, in, a, in a group of two. And again, I would start with a short with a, a low level, low risk thing, not the highest one, but where you both choose, you could take two, one person has the role play of having that voice or that emotion. And the other person has another emotion or another voice. And you have a conversation, a question or a conversation, you both are just holding it and giving voice to that part of you. That's like, no, there's nothing, nothing will change like this. I mean, lunch is going to be horrible. Like I can tell I've never been in a training before where lunch is good and there's never enough. And the other person's like, yeah, but there'll be snacks. There's gonna be snacks in the afternoon. And oh, maybe it'll be a surprise this time. And I heard them say that there's, and not just, not just the mind, bringing in your body and like having the posture and then switching and seeing what comes out of like giving space to those voices. That would be a really simple way that you could just play with breaking a binary because mm -hmm. in a third phase of the activity, you could be like, choose whatever voice you want and just experiment with your body and your voice and exploring a question. But again, giving access to the different um, states within yourself. I like that. I like that. It's, um, yeah, it's the improv that comes into the space. One thing I like to do that's very great corporate retreat friendly, which is also sort of imagination activity. I know that a lot of facilitators that listen to this. I want to make sure to give some, some tools, some ideas. There's this thing, it's form of like a theoretical speed dating. Mm -hmm. it's, a, it's a thing where you, everyone's going to see everyone. And especially when you're trying to have different stakeholders that are trying to imagine a collaboration or potential projects together. And the theoretical speed dating is that each time for the two minutes, you have to imagine a theoretical project, a theoretical way that you could collaborate together. And it doesn't mean you're committing to anything. It just means that you could, in theory. And what it does is it just, it breaks up this thing of like, I need to commit, it's going to be forever, or you need to, it invites me to the super playful thing of like, what could we do together? And you can imagine it, you can imagine it with anyone, you could meet someone in the street who's cleaning the park. And you can be like, hey, what, what's the collaboration we can do together? Like, is it an art piece? Is it like, is there a workshop that's here? Is it whatever, whatever it is? So, but I would say the link between this one and the past one is it's, it's giving yourself that, that space to imagine a new interaction, a new way of being that normally you wouldn't explore. I love that. And I, I use it um, similarly once in a session where everyone introduced their superpowers and then Imagine what could happen if they would combine it or they introduced their project they were working on. What would happen if we combine them? What I hear from you is even a step further with unrelated things. And I was just wondering to come back to the opposites and to conflict. What if we find something where we're not aligned at all? So where we're clear opposites. So what sort of collaboration? How could this actually help in a collaborative mm. situation? Oh, I like that. Totally. How could these perspectives, how could we help each other? Or in what ways are these perspectives, in what ways are these perspectives useful to the other one? Like you can do these mind, like Jedi mind tricks where suddenly you're like, uh, and there is an answer. There is definitely an answer. Yeah, yeah where you're forced to actually embrace this total opposite of yours in order to create something together using mm. this. I think this can be quite empathy building. That's beautiful. And I, I, there is something deeply beautiful about conflict because we learn so much and it breaks us out of our own way of seeing the world. And like, there's other people here who are other experiences and we can learn from them, but it, it does take training us to see it as that life giving thing and not seeing it as this like life menacing thing. That's mm. like, Oh my goodness, I'm in danger right now. I need to shut 
this down. Yes. And it's <laughs> so difficult even for ourselves. Me sitting there observing with curiosity, the anger <laughs> expanding my body. So, oh, okay, where do I feel it? And then, of course, it helps because we cannot be angry and curious at the same time. So the moment we are curious about how we are feeling and our physical reaction is already the best kind of solution. And still it's painful. Oh, so painful. So painful. So I think to get a group to that already requires the safety mm -hmm. and the buy-in from the group that they're willing to go there. I have an invitation to everyone who is listening to this, especially the facilitators. A group of people I was working with for a long time who they were facilitators. And we had an explosive conflict, an explosive conflict. And we were talking about facilitators. Facilitators know to have very meta conflicts of, you know, this, you should have been doing this, you weren't doing this, this like this kind of entire elaborate castle of belief and assumptions. And we never debriefed. We never did a closing circle. And so when you're talking about facilitators and I forget their superpowers, I think it's really easy as facilitators to have this whole rhetoric around building beautiful spaces and helping clients learn communication or whatever. But I think when push comes to shove, I think it actually involves showing up in those hard moments, especially with other facilitators. So my invitation is the next time that you're experiencing a conflict where the reaction is like, oh no, like I don't, I don't want to deal with this. I don't want to show up. My invitation would be to try, just try, and it will be hard. I guarantee it'll be hard, but I guarantee there will be learning. There'll be learning, and there'll be something that will come out of it that you could not have, could not have gotten if you just stayed away. That is my invitation to facilitators around around the world. Thank you. And how would you structure that? Because I think, yeah, the how did you call it? The learning circle? No, the A closing circle. Yeah. So everyone would just share at the end, or how would you? Yeah, structure that to really harvest the learnings from the conflict. Uh, so for a closing circle, I my framing of that circle, and I in that case, I tried multiple times to have it happen, but it wasn't possible. That my framing of it is not to arrive at any solutions or even to arrive at any learnings, but simply to hear each other. Mm. Because again, I go back to that. I go back to that because just that is enough. Just hearing each other with empathy and or compassion and just that's enough and if learnings come through if solutions and future collaborations and future projects and blah blah, blah 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 the whole thing but that's already a next step until people feel heard and respected none of that will ever happen so that's what i mean by a close a closing mm -hmm. circle yes thank you for being so explicit about that and it makes sense because just speaking without receiving a reply or response already creates this we leave because we don't feel judged. Yeah. And if everyone shares without anyone jumping in and commenting, it also forces us to just sit there with our disagreement and eventually it will pass. Yeah. And it doesn't need to get solved. Like yeah. they, they can coexist. Yeah. You, know, you can like strawberry ice cream and I like chocolate ice cream. I'm not going to make you like chocolate. You're not going to make it like strawberry, but we can see each other and hear each other. And that already is just, it's, it just, it's such a huge step. It's a huge step. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Which becomes more complicated if then we have to decide something together. But then I think it comes back to the rules. How do we want to take decisions in a group? How do we want to move forward? 
and I love those conversations. I love like whatever, you know, consensus or consent or, you know, majority, whatever, majority vote. Like there's all the, there's the whole decision-making matrices and frameworks and everything. But I do go back to that first point of until you've done, heard each, and listen, you know, heard each other with respect. It's just like, there's no point in going further because that essential, it's like the frame of the frame is not there. The, 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 the foundation is not there of the relationship mm-hmm. of the group field. Yeah. Makes a lot of sense. Acknowledging everyone who's in the room. Mm-hmm. We want to be Otherwise seen. We want to be, be heard. What's yeah. Otherwise, they wouldn't be there. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, but we want, we want to be seen. We want to be heard. We want to be celebrated. We want to have beautiful moments in our lives. We have some of these common factors that we all sort of these needs and wants that are there. Thank you. Yeah, thank you so much for your, your questions, Miriam. Yeah, thank you for sharing so openly. And it's... I'm just amazed how we went from play to conflicts, back to play, <laughs> to all these vulnerable places, and how to facilitate relationships and families. Totally, that's that's how that's what these are my passions. These are things that I think about, and I, I care deeply about them. So I'm really happy to to share them with you and with anyone. Exactly. <laughs> Is there anything that you wanted to share that we haven't touched upon? I think I would just reiterate that idea that we talk about play, we talk about like lightness or heaviness. It's just like, there's this notion of like separating them, but I really, it's all the same. It's part of the same circle. So I would just repeat that in terms of when it comes to play in terms of the kind of activities we're developing, the posture that we're developing around it. Like it's, it's a, it's a rainbow. It's a really, with all of the colors as part of it, with that sort of that deep sort of curiosity and pleasure at its center. And I just repeat that because I, I think that when, if we can feel legitimate, be like, oh my gosh, can I play too? Even though I'm like introverted and adult and I haven't played in years, or I'm like, I'm nervous, or I don't even know what to do. And the answer is yes, because mm-hmm. that's part of the spectrum. It's part of the, the spectrum. And before closing... <laughs> How would you deal with someone who doesn't play by the rules? So, and it can be intentionally, it can be by accident. Mm. How do you call that out, call that in? How do you deal with that without putting at risk this container that you created? But also mm. not to, because I think if it happens once, you can maybe let it slip. Mm. Then you don't want this to be contagious, similar to this circle so i have a philosophy around relationships in regards to this actually it i think about it as like a root and some, if, i'm not sure i can talk about my own experience there have been moments in my life where people have been disrespectful and at first i was like oh the first two times I was like i'll let it slide and then it just get bigger 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 harder and harder and harder and there's that expression in english like nip it in the bud and i actually in a group once we've set agreements I actually, the very first time, like the very, very, very first time anyone is not following any of the agreements, I will immediately address it. I'm not kicking them out of the group. I'm immediately addressing it and having a conversation like in that moment. And I think that what I've noticed with groups I work with is when they they see how seriously I'm taking it, it becomes a safer space because they're realizing that I'm not just going to be like, let something slide, other things not slide. They're seeing I'm like a ferocious protector of what we've decided upon. And so whether that's in a relationship or in space, I think there is something very powerful about that very first time someone does something, just being like addressing it. And if they react poorly, if they react poorly, or they're not able to address it, then, then you can move on to a next step of like, well, maybe this is not the space for you. Maybe it's not the relationship for us. Maybe blah, 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 blah. 
Thank you. Yes. And it shows that you have the courage to enforce the rules that you're taking it seriously and then everyone can trust. It's basically trust building. I have a friend who has curated everyone in her life, her relationships. The moment that someone is not respectful and caring and loving towards her, she addresses it. If it doesn't, isn't addressed and received beautifully, that person is gently shown the exit door from her circle of her life. This person is surrounded by loving caring, respectful people that just deeply admire her. It's like she has a garden of life around her. And it's from that immediately. So it's a little bit, it is, it is harsh. It's, or it can, it can be harsh, but I think that the impacts of it are beautiful. And again, I'm not saying remove them from the group. I'm saying address it immediately. Yeah. And I think there's a difference between being blind to radical candor or blind to different perspectives versus addressing the way how we want it to be addressed and being treated with respect. Oh, exactly. I have full respect for that, yeah. Hmm. Hmm. How can we cultivate our own gardens of Yes, and then dance around in the sunshine. Like, (laughs) (laughs) or the rain, who knows? Who knows what the weather is going to be that day? Wonderful. Thank you so much, Es. Yeah, thank you so much, Miriam. It was a delight. I'd like for me as well. Thank you for staying tuned and for listening to the show. I know how busy you are and I appreciate that you're sharing your two most valuable resources with me and my guest, your time and your attention. If you're looking for more conversation with other facilitators and for a community of practice, why don't you join Never Done Before, the community that I have built and many of my podcast guests are already members. Visit neverdonebefore.org and I wish to see you there.